This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison. And today I've got an interesting episode about a man that had quite a life. And it's I was amazed some of the things that I learned about him. So I'm excited to get into that. But before we do that, I want to just say that if you follow me on Instagram or just listening in general, you know that I do not share my political opinions on things or really my opinions on not even just political things, just in general. I try to make this a very bipartisan look at history. But I'm not immune to having opinions and knowing what's going on and reading about what's going on in our world, in our country. So just because I don't address things directly that are going on, I know that (laughs) things are, I'm not stupid and I'm not, not paying attention to things in my own life, but I'm not bringing that to the podcast or how I feel about things. Know that I am constantly researching, constantly reading, constantly keeping up, and I'm bothered by a lot. I'm saddened by a lot. And it's interesting times for sure. I can say that. Just wanted to address that so you guys didn't think that I was just like oblivious to things in life. I'm not. I promise. I just don't want to bring. That's not that's not the the kind of space that I've created here to discuss or talk about current events, I guess. So anyway, um, I'm going to move on from that now. And I'm going to start out with our inspiring clip of the week. One of the inspiring notes. I've played parts of this speech before, but it was just the anniversary of JFK's Berlin Wall speech on June 26th. So here's a clip of the speech that was done in 1963. There are many people in the world who really don't understand or say they don't. What is the great issue between the free world and the communist world. Let them come to Berlin. There are some who say, there are some who say that communism is the wave of the future. Let them come to Berlin. even a few who say that it's true that communism is an evil system, but it permits us to make economic progress. Lass sie nach Berlin in common. Let them come to Berlin. many difficulties and democracy is not perfect but we have never had to put a wall up to keep our people in to prevent them from leaving us 
most obvious and vivid demonstration of the failures of the communist system. For all the world to see, we take no satisfaction in it, for it is, as your mayor has said, an offense not only against history, but an offense against humanity, separating families, dividing husbands and wives and brothers and sisters, and dividing a people who wish to be joined together. Freedom is indivisible. And when one man is enslaved, all are not free. All, all free men, wherever they may live, are citizens of Berlin. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Berliner. Moving on to our recommendation segment. Of course, then we would uh, recommend it. I just realized I've never recommended these on the podcast, but I'm going to, and I'm going to link them below because they're the cutest little things. Uh, I love the Jack and Jackie Funko Pops, and I'm not a Funko Pop kind of girl. I just am not, but obviously I had to get Jack and Jackie's, and they're just the cutest, and they are such a good addition to my bookshelf. So my recommendations are those, and like I said, I will directly link them in the description of this episode and get you some. They're cute. Thank you guys for bearing with me over the last few weeks. Summer has been crazy. I've had some stuff going on in the family. It's been a little wild. So I've posted that throwback episode last week. And I hope you listen to it because there's something coming up that you needed that refresher for. So if you have not listened to the throwback episode yet, go do that because you will need that because there's exciting things happening with their story. But Otherwise, I took a week off and then I had, you know, just things going on. So thank you guys for bearing with me. And I'm trying to get back on a normal schedule of putting content out for you guys. Let's get into our episode. This week, we are talking about Oleg Cassini. And honestly, like, I didn't know much about him except for that he was obviously Jackie's fashion designer for the White House. And I've seen things about him before, but I never would have imagined the kind of life this man had or what he did. I mean, I guess if you're in the fashion world, then you probably do know what a lot of what I'm going to talk about. But um, yeah, I think it's a really interesting story. And you guys know I've really been interested in diving into people that work around the Kennedys and their their stories. And there's just been so many amazing things that I found out about different people. My sources for today are lofficialusa.com. I cannot pronounce that. I never have been able to, but that's one of my sources. Famousfashiondesigners.org and Wikipedia. I always do a disclaimer with Wikipedia, but I double-checked Wikipedia, and honestly, that it was the one with the most information about him, so I learned a lot from it, and it seemed to be check out and be correct. So let's get started. He was actually born in Paris as Oleg Lowiowski. And I looked up the pronunciation of that. I think I got it right. I hope I did. He was born into a very interesting family. He was the oldest son of a countess and her husband. So that made him a count. And they were Russian diplomats. And I thought this was interesting. His maternal grandfather, Count Cassini, had been a Russian ambassador to the United States during William McKinley and Theodore Roosevelt's administrations. 
So he had like a little bit of U.S. ties to begin with. And also his grandfather signed the treaty to end the war between Japan and China. His family also claimed the Italian astronomer Giovanni Cassini as an ancestor. So he had a famous familial lineage for sure. But in 1918, the Russian Revolution made them have to flee for their lives. And they had to leave behind everything they had, all their assets, everything, and just had to pick up and and leave. And he, unfortunately, saw a lot, dealt with a lot. He actually saw his cousin be shot to death, which is horrifying for anybody, especially a child. So they ended up finally getting to Denmark, and then they went to Switzerland. But then the Greek royal family invited them to Greece. And while they were headed to Greece, the revolution in Greece started happening. So they got off the train in Florence and they settled in Florence, Italy. And it's around that time that they started using the name Cassini instead of Loyowski. So I thought this was interesting too. It kind of parallels JFK's uh, childhood a little bit. In his early youth, Cassini actually had a horrible accident, which that's not JFK, but he was ill, you know, for his childhood. So Cassini almost lost his leg. And so he had to spend a lot of a whole year in bed recovering. And he, during this time, did a ton of reading, studying history and even read like a lot of American authors, which kind of gave him an interest in uh, American history. And he had a really big interest in Native American history. He discovered American culture and stuff through movies that had come to Italy from the United States as well. So when it was finally time for him to start school, he already knew Russian, French, and Danish, but he had to learn Italian. So he went to school, learned Italian. His mom actually founded her own fashion house in Florence, and she even had American clientele from the beginning from people that she knew in D.C. It seems that fashion was just in Oleg Cassini's blood. He was super athletic, played on different teams in high school and stuff, and was just a normal kid with a lot of interests. He ended up going to the University of Florence where he studied political science, And he was an equestrian, too, so I wonder if he and Jackie uh, bonded over their love of horses. He also studied fine arts, and then eventually, through that process, started in fashion. He won a ton of competitions, too, so he was good from the get-go. He did open his own boutique in Rome before he came to America as well, and he designed for the local film industry in Italy. Oleg ended up relocating to America. He arrived in New York on Christmas Day, 1936. And in his book, which I have not read, I need to, but he describes that the only thing that he had to his name, basically, when he got to America was a tuxedo, two tennis rackets, a title, and talent. And I love that. Uh, He briefly worked as a political cartoonist in D.C., and then he went to Hollywood. It's interesting how this story came about. Actually, he was playing tennis, and his partner in a tennis tournament said, hey, I'm the head of Paramount Pictures, and they were looking for a designer. Obviously, it was an automatic in for Cassini, and he went on to work as a designer for Paramount Pictures and did a ton of movies. I mean, a ton. He was extremely successful there. But after the attacks of Pearl Harbor, he wanted to enlist in the war effort immediately. So he joined the Coast Guard at first, but then he ended up going into the Army as a cavalry officer. He even reached the rank first lieutenant. And he officially became a United States citizen in December of 1941. And that meant that in January of 1942, he lost his titles of nobility. But he wanted to be an American. He was commissioned as the first lieutenant at Fort Riley, Kansas, and he actually served for five years before moving to New York City in 1952 to open his own fashion house on 7th Avenue in the center of the fashion industry. So what an incredible path. I mean, you think about that. You come to America, you immediately meet somebody who gets you going in the film industry, you do that for a while, and then you 
quickly feel the need to serve your country, serve your country for five years, and then go back to your roots of fashion. I just think that's so neat. Like, that's such a good story. According to Wikipedia, after the war, Cassini designed ready-to-wear dresses while continuing to design for television, motion picture, and Broadway theater. Eventually, Cassini got enough money to launch his own line, which was his first collection, and it was a huge hit. The head of Lord & Taylor, Dorothy Shaver, actually gave him the entirety of the store's Fifth Avenue storefront windows to launch the collection, which that's a huge deal. And then he would travel around and do trunk shows and special events and stuff to promote and get the word out about the line. Which, think about how much more difficult it must have been back in the day to get your name out there. I mean, I guess in print you could if you if you could make it happen. But otherwise, it was up to you to, like, travel and meet people and shake hands. It wasn't like now where you can try to <laughs> promote your brand in an oversaturated social media market, but it is a lot easier to directly get in contact with people or in front of people's faces than it was back in the day. There was a little, sorry, my nerdy marketing brain went off there. So he became a huge hit. He designed, started designing for all kinds of people and morning shows and night shows. Actually, Johnny Carson basically nightly gave him recognition because he had Cassini design an entire line for him. Huge deal. It says here that his reputation developed as a result of his genius for original spontaneous design. And in 1953, Cassini met Jackie, and that was shortly before she married Jack. So it wasn't until 1961 that Cassini was appointed by Jackie to be her exclusive designer, and she actually called him her secretary of style. Cassini once said, We are on the threshold of a new American elegance thanks to Miss Kennedy's beauty, naturalness, understatement, exposure, and symbolism. I'm going to insert a clip here of him talking about the Kennedy White House. The marvelous reminiscence of the Camelot, of the, the White House days, because to me it would remain a, a tremendous thing for the rest of my life. I mean, I loved your brothers, and uh, I was a real samurai to them. They were good sure. enough to uh, allow me to be part of the, this exalting moment in the history of America where President Kennedy brought to the White House not only the beautiful people, but also the intellectual, the artists, all the people of significance in the world. So that Versailles was really nothing. I think it was the first time in history, really, that uh, such a beautiful couple uh, created such a message to the world. And I was in a small part involved in that program. Okay, now that you've heard that, I'm going to read this little excerpt because I think it's great. It says, Utilizing the technique and high-fashion fabrics of French couture, Cassini's unique designs for Jacqueline Kennedy ushered in a new era of timeless simplicity based on clean lines and crisp forms and opulent and luxurious fabrics. Cassini brought American design to the world stage as the First Lady's identity became synonymous with sophistication and taste. The Jackie look that he created was copied by women all over the world. Cassini visualized her as an American queen and Miss Kennedy acknowledge that Oleg dressed me for the part. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Sax.com. Edward Kennedy was quoted saying, Oleg Cassini's remarkable talent helped Jackie and the new frontier get off to a magnificent start. Their historic collaboration gave us memorable changes in fashion and the style classics that remain timeless to this day. Speaking of Ted, I'm actually going to insert another clip of Oleg Cassini, and he's actually talking to Ted in this clip a little bit. So I just think it's cool to hear them both speak to each other. So here's that. 
uh, delighted to have you for dinner at any uh, time. And uh, so you're awfully uh, nice to come down in a warm summer's night in Washington to, to come back and uh, visit a good friend. I always uh, sort of think of you a little bit of as an adversary, though, across the tennis court oh. in a competitive role. Well, you know, uh, now that you bring that up, is this, I must uh, tell you that the, one of the greatest feelings I had, we were playing the finals at Forest Hills, and you were playing... Uh, I have the... Uh, do you want to see the trophy? It was around here trophy. somewhere. <laughs> okay. I, I must tell you that uh, you were playing with Ramirez, and I was playing with John Lloyd, the Englishman. And I remember that we were about three all in uh, in the, the set, and I looked around. You know, I, anyone would have forgotten the score by this no, time. No, no, <laughs> not me, because I, I I looked at all those wonderful Kennedy kids there. Oh, that threw you off. It threw me off. <laughs> I, I double faulted. You won the game, and the, the rest oh. is history. You beat me fair and square, and I had won the year before. Oh. And I must tell you that this tournament is uh, fantastic. It's wonderful because, for you to play. At that uh, tournament, it was a charity uh, tennis tournament uh, for the uh, Robert Kennedy uh, Memorial. Uh, and that uh, RFK Memorial is enormously important, uh, not only the members of the family, but particularly for the uh, Robert Kennedy uh, children. And it carries on many of the uh, uh, the goals and the aims and the dreams of uh, Robert Kennedy. We had a, it was a, a fun time, but uh, we had some uh, 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 some good times uh, too. And you you were always a uh, been such a, a friend to all of the sisters and brothers as well. That So as we know, Cassini did copy some works from France and other places and bring them into Jackie's collection. But he designed a reported 300 outfits for her, including, as it says here, a much-copied coat made of leopard pelts and a Swiss double satin white gown that she wore to the inaugural gala ball in 1961. And the dress was actually subsequently named one of the 50 dresses that changed the world by Design Museum in England. So then, eventually, over time, he actually became mostly known for his licensing agreements. So he would basically put his name on everything. He had it on luggage, on nail polish, and on cars. Basically, if it had Cassini's stamp of approval on it and he had his name on it, then it was stylish. So that was all of his career stuff, but now I'm going to get a little bit into his personal life because there's a lot there. So he got engaged, married, all kinds of stuff a few times. On September 2nd of 1938, he actually married a woman named Mary Farney. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, so I apologize if not. But they got divorced just two years later in 1940. And then he married actress Jean Tierney in 1941. They had a daughter, and she was born October 15th, 1943, but she was blind, deaf, and had severe brain damage. But she lived a really long life. She actually died on September 11th, 2010. Cassini and Jean ended up separating, and they got into this whole, like, property settlement agreement and went through this whole divorce thing, and then they ended up divorcing, but then got back together in 1948, and they had another daughter, Christina, which they called Tina, on November 19th, 1948. Oleg and Jean divorced in 1953. So after the divorce, he actually dated Grace Kelly and was engaged to her as well. But I don't think they actually went through with the marriage. Also, I did not check this out, really, but I did read a, a few times. I need to read more into it. But Susanna Moore actually claims that she was raped by Cassini. So that's horrible. Like I said, I didn't dive into that storyline very much, but I wanted to include it in the episode, even though it's horrible, because I didn't want to say all the good parts and leave out something that was really bad. So that did, there's a claim there that that happened as well. 
Oleg and Jean Tierney kind of remained cordial until she passed away in 1991. And this is what's just really sad to me. She gave $1 to their first daughter, Daria, and then the rest to Christina. Like, that's just sad. So Oleg goes on and marries a model named Marianne Nestor in 1971, but they had a secret marriage the whole time until after his death, no one knew that they were married. And then after his death, Tina and Marianne basically went into a horrible court battle over his entire estate. And there's a lot to unpack there. So if you want to learn more about that, please feel free and send me anything you learn because there's a lot there. It was apparently a big news story at the time. Christina actually passed away in 2015, though, and when kind of the whole court battle was updated in September of 2018 and news was reporting about it, Marianne was actually in jail because she refused to comply with a court order. Because it was such a mess, Cassini's estate was auctioned by Doyle in June of 2019. And I didn't talk about his death, but I guess I should. He passed away from complications of an aneurysm in New York in 2006, and he was 92 at the time. That is, in a nutshell, Oleg Cassini's life. I want to play one more clip. I should have inserted it earlier, but I forgot to kind of nod to it. This is a clip that I thought was funny. It's from 1957, and he's talking about Dior hemlines. I guess he was being interviewed, so check this out. Mr. Cassini, we understand that Dior has once again dropped hemlines. Four inches this time, I understand. Now, are you going to immediately follow his order and drop them too? I may drop Dior. I think, I think that he's absolutely crazy to do it because it's been tried. He tries it every year and it hasn't been successful for the simple and good reason that American women have beautiful legs and it would be a real crime not to show them. Well, what about French women? Well, French women are built differently. Believe it or not, they have shorter legs and naturally that style could be satisfactory to them. Mr. Cassini, what do you think of Elvis Presley? Personally, I consider myself the Elvis Presley of the couture world. <laughs> you ain't nothing but a hound dog. He ain't you nothing but a hound dog. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> we don't consider you a hound dog, but we think you're the, the star of the couture world. <laughs> I know it was late to play that clip, but I feel like it kind of gives you a, a taste of his personality, I guess. So what a life, right? Just Wow. I feel like I'm going to read his autobiography for sure, but I, I just hope that this sparked an interest for you in Oleg Cassini's life. Obviously, some really amazing things happened, some really terrible things happened, and he maybe even did some really terrible things, so it's interesting. But I hope you enjoyed this overview, and send me anything that you find. If there's anything extra that you want to send me, please do. That's all I've got today. Make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter, guys. It's really, it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. My communications director, Dylan, who's amazing. He works for Kennedy Dynasty now. He was intern turned uh, communications director. So I'm so glad he's on the team. He keeps the newsletter going and a lot of the blogs he writes. And I just love having him on the team. He's doing an excellent job. So please subscribe to the newsletter to keep up with what we are doing. It's a bi-weekly newsletter. So every two weeks in your inbox, you just kind of get a little update with links and all kinds of stuff. I will link in the description of this episode where to subscribe to that check out the merch shop everybody there are tank tops there are t-shirts there are hats there is everything you could need for summer kennedy style i think that's all i've got i'm thinking yeah yeah that's it all right i'll talk to you guys soon come on and vote for kennedy vote for kennedy keep america strong kennedy he just keeps rolling up Kennedy, he just keeps rolling along. Oh, Kennedy!
Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from.